0: Music is central to our well being. If you're listening here, chances are you feel the same. The Classical Post podcast uncovers the creativity that exists behind great music. We believe music is interconnected with other art forms and life experiences. It doesn't exist in a vacuum, but is often influenced by other sources. No matter who you are, cultivating your creativity is fundamental to being better in business and living a more holistic life. Discover more on this podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Eifert. Thanks for joining me today, and I hope you find something valuable in this episode. French-Canadian baritone Etienne Dupuis is a big fan of television, especially Ted Lasso. So much so, he's adapted a key phrase from the Comedy Meets Philosophy series, quote, football is life, unquote, as a mantra to stoke people's interest in opera. He says, quote, now I always say opera is life, unquote. Dupuis shares on the latest episode of the Classical Post podcast. For him, building a larger fan base for opera means showing people that a night at the opera isn't about wearing the fanciest dress or worrying about clapping at a wrong moment. It's about taking part in a shared emotional experience. In this discussion, Dupuy talks more about how opera can return to its 17th century roots as a relaxed social event everyone could enjoy and what's on tap for him this season including singing the title role in John Adams's The Death of Klinghoffer with the composer himself on the podium. Plus, he shares the ways brainstorming and synergy can lead to creative breakthroughs, why Fisherman's Friend Lassenjas are, in fact, a singer's best friend, and where to find the best pork buns in New York City. Where do you find inspiration to create music other than um, the actual music world? So something outside of that.
1: Well, it's, yeah, I'm a bit, uh, boring in that sense that my inspiration comes from people. I'm i I'm a people person. So I, I, I'll find, but it doesn't have to be people that I know. It's just everybody. I just look around all the time. I, I, uh, my interactions and day to day in different countries, you know, even like just, uh, the way you talk to people in France uh, or, or Germany or, or Austria or, or, or England, doesn't matter in the States. Um, it's I don't know there's something about um what people say and the way they say it um that sounds like music to me so there's uh there's even a a few times when I I would write my own songs and um it usually stemmed out of of the way some someone said something so I'm I'm very much an ears person I'm definitely not an eyes person so I it's it's a bit strange for me uh, when I see people marveling at paintings forever and ever. I I can see the genius, you know, with my rational, the rational side of my brain. I can see like the the paint strokes, the, the brush strokes, sorry, and the and the choices of especially considering sometimes the the time at which those paintings were made. But to, to find inspiration to really be like. Um, moved and to have a, an emotion come out. I, I'm much more of a tactile and and ears person. So yeah, I find that communications, uh, interactions with my fellow human beings usually tend to inspire me more.
0: In terms of other fields of study outside of music, art design, architecture, fashion, kind of the creative industries, if you will, um, are there any of those that, you can point to that influences music making
1: well in my case it has to be movies um and and i guess nowadays even more uh, um tv series and the reason is um again like i said I'm, i'm very much an ear person but i'm also i've always had this inside me i'm also like an i'm actor oriented or acting oriented like my biggest dreams I've been to like be in movies and stuff like that so I uh I've always I always focus when I watch a movie I never just let myself I rarely just let myself go I'm always focusing on choices you know that where the camera is and the acting choices and the like I'll I'll spend a lot of time uh, even after I've seen the movie pondering about uh those kind of choices. When when the music hit and what kind of music it was, and actually it will influence completely if I thought it was a good or bad movie. But that that's usually where I get my my most of my creativity is by and it's so and sorry, there's also <laughs> there's one aspect really. I need to be surprised. I need to not see it coming. And that to me is my joy in life. I love that. The other thing I really love is comedians, like uh, humor in all these different facets. So it can be a song that's humoristic, but it can be, um, you know, there's little video clips you can find sometimes. We can see them nowadays uh, a lot on like Facebook and stuff like that. that just little snippets, um, jokes that people film. And if I'm surprised, if I if I didn't see it coming, I will laugh out loud for a long time. So this, this is usually my trigger. Is if it goes in a direction I didn't see coming. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, oh my god, it makes me happy. <laughs> it makes me so happy. I find a lot of a lot of
0: inspiration in that. Actually, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I haven't heard anyone say that, but I I like that uh, approach. Describe yeah. a routine you have in place that helps you live a healthier life. Right. So <laughs> I used to have a great one. I
1: would go, uh, I would go three times a week. I would train with a pr- pr- professional trainer that happens to be a friend as well. So we trained twice a week. And then on a third time would be on the weekend. You would gather around a, a whole bunch of uh, people you was training. We'd go to a park and just, challenge each other to do all sorts of little things you know jump over obstacles run as fast as we can up a hill stuff like that and i, I did that for a few years uh, just before i met my wife <laughs> and and then i uh that slowed down a little bit and then we had a child and that kind of initialated <laughs> any form of <laughs> any form of uh physical training i was into um i I don't regret it. It's okay. You know, it's a different life, but with a child, I mean, my energies go a lot more to being part of the family, making sure that we're always, uh, uh we, we're not running out of anything and and also that we're always together as much as possible. It's really important for me. Uh, I don't want to be a father, especially when, especially when I'm working outside and I have to travel, I want to be so present when I'm there. So I find that wellness comes with regularity, and that's something that I really, really struggle have finding. So right now we're um, in—I'm in a place called Repentigny, which is just outside of Montreal, uh, where I, where I was born and raised. Actually, I was raised in Repentigny. I was born in Montreal, but yeah, and uh, and that we have access to you know tennis courts. I love tennis; it's one of my favorite sports in life. So every chance I get, we go in the courts. I play with my dad. I play with my nephew. I play with my wife if I can. She's free. Um, So that's cool. That's awesome. But then we're gonna go back. I'm gonna go back to Paris. It'll be much harder for me to find someone to play with, or to find or or to find an empty uh, court where I can go play. So so that comes. So I I have to find a different program. But yeah. So that's. Physically speaking that I find it quite hard, the regularity. But I love all of these. I love training if I can, I love it. Um and then when it comes to eating, I'm lucky that I have a wife who loves cooking and it's really, really awesome and making sure we eat well. So my wellness program is my wife. Which is <laughs> not a right way to put it. <laughs> around it's fine. That's when
0: I gain weight. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny uh, so in in tandem with that and i know you just actually spoke about energy and kind of low energy now with uh, having a child but is there something that um energizes you and keeps you going to create um in in life yes um
1: there are a few my favorite one is is, is partnering i love to find uh, someone that has something to say and 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 wants to say it with me. And so I um I mean recently it's funny I, I I used to say one of my dream jobs, I would have loved to be able to sit on all these different brainstorming sessions. I love brainstorming. One of my favorite things in life. Throwing a lot of ideas out there, as creative as you can. If they get picked up, great. If they don't, great. Cause, you know it, you can still be the inspiration for a, another great idea but someone else will have but something you said might trigger that and so brainstorming is one of my favorite things to do uh and it, and it goes beyond that so if if i sit down with one or two people and we're talking about i don't know an idea for a show we have or an idea for a song or, or, or whatever i i can i like time flies i just i'll realize hey we've been at this for six hours it feels like six minutes it's i just there's a zone i get into that really it really it makes me so happy it it, it, it definitely gives me energy because i know that's what you're aiming at it's like i said it'd be in the middle of the night and if <laughs> this great idea comes and i can pick the phone and write to one of those people and then they are write back right away like oh my god like, like we're you know what i mean like we're when you feel like you're pulling on, on this thread, this uh, an idea that uh, every time you unravel it, you feel like it, it's going to someplace amazing. And so you just never want to unravel. You always want to keep going at it. That's what I call energizing for me.
0: happens on like a cool.
1: smaller scale on stage sometimes, you know? In like staging, sometimes you can have it in a smaller scale. it be like, oh, we just had this idea. The director I knew it. you try to do it and then you're like oh my god we never thought we could go there but let's go there let's do it so yeah that's that's also the same feeling
0: that's very interesting it it kind of goes along with the lines of synergy and this idea of um i know you kind of led with the idea of partnering with other people but it's also like that synergy that happens when you partner with people and it's like minds coming together and um uh, yeah this like great things come of that so yeah it's I think that's, um, it's a very artist thing, um, uh, to yeah. say, but at the same time, right? But, but I'm, I'm sorry, I just want to, I no, 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 but what I'm getting at is even though it's a very artist thing to say, it's so applicable to anyone. And I think, I guess the point that I'm trying yes. to make is that's what I think is so valuable for people outside of the music world or outside of the arts is that that kind of principle is so applicable to whatever you do. And, and can help you produce something better. And, and if, say if you're a business person, it can help you produce something better, I think. That, that I appreciate you saying
1: that. I, it's something I've been, it's a tree I've been barging at for a long time with a lot of different people, you know, because we're kind of a, a classical musicians and opera singers and like we're all in the same boat. We're all a bit of a weird animal to the rest of the world, you know, to the general public where they go, what do you do? How, what's your day like? And we like, they kind of not understand what we do. And there's times we can explain. One of the things I always say is like, you know, we're not so different, you know. And when I was training, but what happened with my trainer? The reason we became such good friends is that every day we find common, more common ground between the way he thought of his trainings and the way he planned them, and the way, and the way I thought of my trainings for opera, you know. And it, it's, I know, I've we had a million example every day where I'd be like. Think about it that way. It's like, oh my God, that's what I do when I learn an Aria or something. You know, it would just, it's universally uh, understandable, these these concepts. So the concept we were talking about of uh, energizing through synergy, that's one great concept, but there's tons. Uh, I always compare singing to food, for example. I don't even like eating that much, but I always compare it to food because everyone eats and everyone can understand if I say, when you eat something, if it's delicious, you don't necessarily need to know how it was made. Some people do. And it's like, that's the way I feel about music. Like, if I think it sounds amazing, I really want to know. I want to analyze the chords and the orchestration, and all this that makes, that triggers me. But it doesn't have to, it can still be beautiful. And so I'm always like, you know, come to the opera. What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to like it or you're not going to like it. But, and then if you feel like pursuing just, getting to know why you liked it or why you didn't like it. That's your, that's your choice. But you know, you wouldn't say, no, I'm not going to go to this restaurant. Cause I, in case I don't like the food, like you'll try it first.
0: Yeah. That's such a valuable point to make. Uh, especially when you talk about, uh, art music that, that people are so scared of and in opera, particularly, I think there might be more appeal with going to some of the other art forms than opera. And a lot of people are like, oh, yikes. But you're right. Exactly what you're saying is that if it's just, if you think of it like food and you just want to try something new or like a restaurant, try a new restaurant, that's really valuable.
1: Yes. And in some cases, and more and more nowadays, it will be the exact same price and almost the exact same time spent. Almost. You know, Opera can take four hours of your life and a very, very decent meal might take well, two hours, let's say half, but you know, it will be the same price you'll pay between 50 and a hundred bucks and you can pay for 50 and a hundred bucks for a night at the opera as well you know it's just and then you decide if you like it or not if you don't you don't go again or you find a different type of food or you find different people to go with or whatever you know but it's it's personal but i always say don't be scared of it you know it's not it's not elitist the way people think you know it's only elitist if you choose it to be but anyone with a Wearing sandals and shorts and a Hawaiian shirt and can s- w- listen to an opera and think it's awesome. And it's not because you're, you know, come from high society and all dressed up that, that you, that, that you enjoy it. It's a lot of them find it very boring. You yeah, know, it's, yeah for sure. it's a very personal taste.
0: I, this is a little bit of a side tangent, but yeah, this idea of um, back you know, in the, I guess it was 1700s, I think, where opera was much more of like um, a raucous kind of thing, like a party and people would be drinking beer in the yes. theater and like very whatever. And now it's become kind of different. And now there's talk of like, oh, we should kind of open the doors again and be a little bit more relaxed. What are your thoughts on like that historic viewpoint? Um, and how it used to be, and any thoughts of what should be done today? It's actually super fascinating, because opera has always been, almost
1: always been completely. no, what am I saying? It's always been completely involved in politics. A lot less so now. But it used to be, you know, the court art form, like the supreme art form, and people would fight to get to the opera, or to get to be seen at the opera. And I mean, I love the, what you're talking about, the whole you know, they used to be gambling. They used to be they used to be like, oh, we're going to wait for five minutes now because the big star is going to sing the aria. But then for the rest of the three hours, we're going to chat with each other. We're going to drink. We're going to eat. We're going to, you know, it was a big party. Um, I I mean, I love what it's become now. One of the reasons is um, a lot of these composers, they wrote a lot of great music, not just one good aria for the big star, you know, they wrote really great music. And so to be able to pay attention to the the fact they conceptualized the whole thing, not, you know, put a whole bunch of music together and then they knew like, oh, this is going to be the moment people are going to listen to. But all of the music they wrote meant something. So I like a bit more that we pay attention to more of it now. I like that. But I also, I mean, I like diversity. I, lo- I think I think we should open up, you know, a, a, an, opera, an opera house that has that, that has like the. The gambling aspects are not the gambling, I don't care about gambling, but but the playing aspects and the the conversational aspects and the, you know, if you look, I mean, the old theaters, you still have the semicircle um, uh, seats. Are you called the boxes? They're not facing the stage. They're facing each other. They're facing the audience because that's what it was. You sat in those boxes, and then, you know, countess blah blah gave a little wave to person in the third row. Person in the third row was like, oh. Hi, and then, would you like to join us? Oh, wow. And everyone in the theater is like, oh my God, that person is now sitting with that countess. They must be incredible. And that's, it was literally how you got to be, to be made sometimes as a artisan or whatever it was your job was. But I mean, I think that's fascinating. I'd love to be able to go back to some of those aspects. You know, where people are, feel free. They feel free. They should feel free. I always hated the whole... Am I just up enough and am I, or am I, am I supposed to, can I clap now? Can I, you know, I mean, at the same time as I'll be like, oh, we need to respect the music and not clap over it. And at the same time, there's another big part of me is like, Hey, if, if you're so sad that you're in tears, you can also be so happy and elated that you want to stand up and clap and yell bravo. It's normal to feel that way. And it's it's part of a human experience. I always say opera should be as, as close to the human experience as it should be. Yeah. I, I call I always say I quote uh oh, what's that show that that's so awesome on Apple TV? Uh uh, uh, uh it's a Ted Lasso. I don't know if you've seen it. But there's a uh, oh, uh, coaching a football team and then well, there's a player who's always going, Football is life always life. That's all he says for the first, the whole first season. It's always do that. I was opera's life. In the re- and when people laugh, I go like, "Don't laugh! I can pinpoint at least five moments in my life that are exactly the same as in the operas I've done." When I first sang Silvio in Pariachi, I had just gone through exactly that situation. Some of the words, you know, after translating, I was like, "I actually said that <laughs> like a month ago." Like it was unbelievable. Um, and of course, when I sang O M, and I was younger, I was like that. that felt, it felt like it was me, you know. Or Figaro and Barber. I was like, I love to have that kind of fun in life, and like you know, it's just it. It feels so close to life sometimes. And I'm like, I, w- I wish I could bring that back for the audience as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it, that must be special, especially as an artist to kind of make that connection or see that you know, lived out as well as on stage. It's kind of this weird. um probably moment for you mentally but yeah yeah it is <laughs> uh, cool. for sure and i know it happens
1: to people in the audience too you know i mean there's a lot of death in the and opera, that let's be frank but some bets are closer to life than others like sometimes it's not someone you know poisoning themselves for love or stabbing themselves for love sometimes it's just someone dying like volume is probably the perfect example that poor woman just dies of illness tuberculosis in that case where it could be cancer today and so all of a sudden it just hits so close to home if you've been in a similar situation. And I understand. And when we do Bohemian, and there's that big silence, and we can hear half of the, the the audience going, and you can hear the sniffling and the crying. I, mean, I don't think it's funny. I think it's great. I just think that it allows us to emotionally connect together. Because most of us have gone through something like that.
0: What is one specific product you highly recommend? <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm
1: laughing because I'm 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 a, I'm a bit weird. <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm not very materialistic. Um, you know, when it comes to products, I have friends who are swear by stuff. I, I don't care. I like... I was going to say Ricola. The cough drops. I love (laughs) cough drops. You know, and if you're a singer, I'm even going to go further. The best way to go through when you have a cold or something like that, pop in the sinus uh, Advil and uh, pair it up with uh, Fisherman's Friend, the original. And it just opens you up like no other, and then you'll be able to sing again. And if you're in the audience and you're thinking, I hope I I don't disturb the singers because I have a bit of a cough, my mouth is dry or whatever. Just go for, with Ricola. They're awesome. They're sugar-free, apparently. So that's my product replacement. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, that's if, funny. <laughs> I was like, what product should I talk about? I was like, Ricola. Ricola is great.
0: <laughs> I'm that's sorry. Great. I
1: know there's better stuff I could come up with. I'm just, you know, this is...
0: We'll the, go with uh, it. Uh, pro. What restaurant or bar do you love to eat at when you're in New York City? And then, obviously, what do you order there?
1: Yeah. Well, when I'm in New York City, I uh, I'm usually there because I'm working a lot. So you know, restaurants I don't get a chance to go regularly, but I do sometimes spend uh, like get a chance to visit like a place, a new place. And lately, I've been to a restaurant I adored called the Chinese Tuxedo. In uh it's in the Chinatown. And um well the reason the reason I'm pointing there's a few reasons why I'm pointing it out. The I th- I thought the atmosphere and the food were fantastic. It's it's um it's Chinese fusion. As far as I know, the chef or the owners, I'm not sure which one, or both maybe, are Australian. And I think they're they, they bring in that nice fusion of like Australianisms, Western Australian food with Chinese food. Um and there was one. Dish in particular, I had to reorder because it was so good. It was the little buns, you know, those little uh, pork buns that they do,
0: like the bao buns uh, or something.
1: Yes, exactly. And uh, I, in so it was like the first thing I ate, and I was like, Oh my God, it's so good. We had ordered a whole bunch of stuff, everything was delicious. But at the end, they were like, What was like, I was like, Can I have the buns again? But it was so good. And I'm not even a foodie. I'm not even a foodie, but I just I literally just went like oh, I need to have that again. So I I thought I'd point it out here that
0: I love really I love that you mentioned this um restaurant because believe it or not, I actually um ate there um on Christmas Day of 2017. Really? Yeah. Oh wow, okay. And which, because which, they were which, open. When they opened, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because it's a Chinese restaurant. Um they're typically open on holidays and whatnot. And yeah. I believe it was like Christmas Day. It was like Christmas evening or something. Uh, yeah. It, it, and it was a really good restaurant. You're right. And it, you're in that fusion style. It was, it was lovely. Yeah.
1: I, it's a, uh, a friend of mine that I met in New York, actually, who, uh, who introduced me to that one. And, and there's a great uh, uh, Greek one just up there in the Upper West Side. But I just, I really, it really stuck with me that Chinese tuxedo, tuxedo because of those buns. And I, oh, I remember the cocktails being awesome. Too. Not, we tried all of them, a bunch of us. So we each ordered one and we all tried each other. But it, they were all delicious. They were really, really good. So, yeah. Anyway, it's funny that you know it. It's awesome. New yeah, It has a few restaurants.
0: <laughs> well, it's funny because I always love to ask this question for podcast guests. And, um there's usually never any overlap between like what I have done and others, but that's funny. And of all places on um, that one, because uh, it is kind of off the beaten track, if you will, you know, you right? don't yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, you normally know, would know that.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's, that's cool. Don't run into it. It's like an little alley no. and stuff like, yeah,
0: yeah. Let's take a quick break. Did you know classical post is a brand built for your pleasure by gold sound media, a New York creative studio, developing content for music lovers around the United States. We're always looking for new opportunities to partner with music presenters, artists, and record labels. If you're interested in content to build your community, please get in touch. Head to goldsoundmedia.com. Now, back to the show. Tell us about your big projects coming up this season. So this season
1: I'm doing uh I'm doing twice uh an opera by uh, Massenet called Hérodiade, which I which with my wife, Nicole, which I think it's gonna be amazing. Uh the um it's funny because I was we were offered it twice with different casts, with different opera houses. So one time we're doing Lyon and uh the Champs-Élysées in Paris, so It's or T- TCE for short. And so that's together. And then later in June, we're doing it at the Deutsche Opera in Berlin with different different cast. But in both cases, it's me and my wife. So we're really happy about that. It's, it's that's amazing opera. Like the mo- every time we listen to it, we're like, holy moly, why is it? like, you know, these moments where you just go like, huh, this is so much better than, you know, Manon and something, you know, like there's. It's a, a bit later Masne, so there's the music is just it's just getting into that maturity level sometimes where I go like oh this it's really getting i think it's awesome so this is like my big project um it's to, I really want to make that opera pop so that you know so that more houses may consider it uh, with a staging even you know like just so that it, it has a bit of a so it, it's it usually goes like that you'd see a lot of uh, operas get a bit of a run of for a few years and you know, like for a five or six years, there was a lot of, um, uh oh, I forget his name now, That that's very intelligent of me. <laughs> uh The biggest uh, composer of French opera, but he was German, but he was the biggest composer of French opera, L'African, Mayor Bea, there you go. For five or six years, there was a lot of Mayor Bea being performed a bit everywhere. Uh And then sometimes you'll see, I don't know, there'll be, I'll be singing like a Don Carlo. And then I realize that every opera house opera, opera is doing Don Carlo. Or, you know, you'll see a, you'll see an Othello somewhere. And then if you look everywhere, you see a, everyone's doing a tello. you know, like this. Sometimes there's like cyclical things with operas like this. So I would like to, it'd be great to do that with uh, lesser known operas and uh, by big composers
0: like Massenet. I'd love to do that. So that's uh, why I I see. A, but I'm putting a lot of energies on that one. you know I see. Okay. So but almost having this trend, like riding the trend wave where you start seeing Massenet like everywhere and you just happen to hop from house to house. But that, that would be amazing. If I mean, doesn't I mean I have to be hired. But I mean, like, I'd love to be able to do the opera
1: and realize all of these other opera companies are programming the same opera, just in different, you know, content, different casts, and different production teams. But I love those when those little cyclical things happen because it with rarer operas because it allows the audience to enjoy something new uh, and by a composer that we know is great. That we, you know the music's gonna be great. Doesn't matter you know, if that you know it or not, we, well, you know, that that composer is incredible at composing operas. So that's, how you, that's, that's an easy gamble. I, I, I find. So that, yeah. That's really I, where yeah. i want focused my energies this year.
0: Uh, any other, um, big projects or recording projects or anything else kind of on the horizon? Well, there's, I mean, there's a whole bunch of operas in my case. The recordings are tough, uh, but, uh,
1: because of the schedule. But um I have an Onigen coming in Munich that I I love. I love the opera and uh, and then I do it I do a different Onegin in Vienna at the Wiener Staatsoper and uh in next June is a John Adams opera called The Death of Klinghoffer which I am going to be playing Klinghoffer. He's not the main character but he but it but he's the title character. But uh, I've seen John that Adams actually. Delve is going to conduct it. So I'm really oh, curious. Wow about being oh wow i'll just meet
0: the man but work with the man i think that's gonna be amazing that's a great opera you know i think i saw that at english national opera in london oh really in in um 2011 or 2012 right and you enjoyed it oh my god it was fabulous it was it was amazing yeah, yeah. and I, I remember i've never leaving heard because... of it before Strange. Well, I typically don't like that style of opera, but I was, the storyline is so beautiful and it's really, and I believe it was, tw- I'm, I'm almost certain I saw it and it was like 2011 or 2012, something like that.
1: Yeah. And that makes sense. Absolutely. The, um, yeah. I, I like, you know, I've heard of a lot of John Adams's work, but then I was like, what, why have I never heard of this one? And I had went on Google and started checking it it's based on a true story. And I was just like, what? Oh my God. It's is It's fascinating. Um, yeah, so I think, I think that would be fun. I mean, it's a concert version, but I, I, it's John Adams conducting. So I'd be like, it can only Ah, be interesting.
0: Yes. Well, this was, um, the one that I had seen was a fully staged and it was so moving. Like it was really, if it's, if I recall this correctly, like it was, it was kind of like, you know, like you're not going there for like laughs. You're going there for like some serious stuff. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it even more now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um last question for you success it's personal for everyone what does it mean to you
1: oh man there's a million ways to answer that question i never care in march for it i i care for what some there's something that comes with success that i care about i care about a certain form of recognition just you know people recognizing that i good at what i do and i can't do what i do you know that i'll have to audition for everything and prove myself every time you know there's success and this is at a low level by the way <laughs> but there's a low level of success where you're like i don't need to audition for this role anymore thank you that's great um i care about that i don't care much about success that gets you table and or you know or tables in restaurants or you know just to jump the queue or to be in li- in front of, to go in front of the line that I never really cared about that that's that I, I find that actually kind of uh, disrespectful to to the people that come that give me the success, you know there's a whole bunch of people out there in the audience every night, and if they're not there, I don't have a career, so I don't see why I should have privilege over them. So I like the success that I have now where I can go into an opera theater and they'll be like, oh yeah, no, I think you will be great at this. And I don't have to prove myself over it over again and it make it relaxes everything. It means that I'm, I feel freer about doing my job and that's all the success I want and need. That's make That's what makes me happy.
0: Thanks for listening to the Classical Post podcast. I hope you have found it meaningful and that it gave you new ideas to cultivate your creativity to be better in business and life. So let's stay in touch. Remember to follow this podcast to get notified of new episodes and sign up for our monthly newsletter for album recommendations and editorial on leading artists. Just head to classicalpost.com slash subscribe.